Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the podcast. We're going to continue our... Uh, consulting series for the Packers, where we take a look uh, on this episode at the cornerbacks for the Packers. But I want to lead this podcast off with a topic I've been thinking about for, for the last few days, and it involves this narrative about system quarterbacks. I'm ready to make a bold statement here, man. Bold. Well, bold statement. Bold statement. So... Again, Brock Purdy has been a topic of is he a system quarterback all season long, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've been hearing this this debate about system quarterbacks. Um, it feels like a lot of people try to make it a negative. Would you agree that some people try to use it? Well, that guy's just a system quarterback. He's only of he's only good because he's a system quarterback. Game manager. game manager sort of thing. Yeah, I got a bold statement. Every good quarterback, great quarterback, is a system quarterback. Okay. Reason I say that is, and I'm not trying to downplay him. I think Patrick Mahomes, for example, is a great quarterback because of the system he's in with Andy Reid. Tom Brady was a great quarterback because they build around him. I feel like these successful quarterbacks and these successful teams build their systems around what the quarterback does well. We've been saying that for for Lamar Jackson, you know, when he first got in, is like you got it. He's got to fit a certain system, right? He's got to be a certain system quarterback. How many times have we said that for these really good quarterbacks? Like, well, he's got to be in the right system. So how can we sit there and say, well, that guy is a system quarterback, but at the same time say he, that quarterback's got to got to do that? You got to put him in a position to succeed. That's putting him in the correct system. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers a little bit earlier. Apparently the Jets are just letting him do whatever he wants on offense. How did that work out in Green Bay towards the end there? Wasn't that great, right? Now you're looking at what Matt LaFleur's system is doing for Jordan Love. Now you got guys calling him a top five quarterback already in the league going into next year. You look at a lot of uh, Joe Montana, a lot of people call him a system, you know, look at him as a system quarterback. One of the best of all time, though. Bart Starr, game manager, good system. I feel like all the good quarterbacks, a lot of, and that's not to say that there's not talented, athletic freaks like a Michael Vick or, or even Lamar Jackson, but at the same time, to really utilize their skills, don't they have to be in that system? I, you got a good point with this. Um, I would also say, early on with Aaron Rodgers, time with Matt Lafleur, that putting in a different system around him. I, I don't know if that necessarily would have worked. Maybe early on, mm-hmm. it was best to have Aaron Rodgers run his system and use that overall approach of all things Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback because it worked. Because Packers kept winning like 13 games, going to conference championship games, winning the division, all of that. And eventually like that, that broke down, and that's not the best way to approach it. But... There was a system. There was a method to it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's valid. Because now I think, you know, you take Andy Reid out of the equation. Patrick Mahomes is probably a good quarterback still, right? 
But are we necessarily having the GOAT debates already at age 28 with Patrick Mahomes if he's not with Andy Reid? Say he's with Mike McCarthy or or another coach out there. Possibly not. Then we're, oh, here we go into the Brady-Belichick right. thing but again. But that's where, again, I go to, like, that's where I, I don't necessarily like the whole it's so-and-so because I still firmly believe it's it takes two to tango. For every quarterback, great quarterback, you a lot of them you look, there's a really good head coach next to him. Joe Gibbs kind of being the outlier with his three Super Bowl titles and having three different quarterbacks over there. Montana had Bill Walsh, right? Mm-hmm. Brady and Belichick, star in Lombardi. It's always kind of the, that compare. The, they're always connected to the hip there. But I feel like you know a lot of these people just say, well, he's a system quarterback. But he's doing what you're, – you're putting that quarterback in a position to – be successful to be his very best where I feel like a lot of teams for whatever reason coaches sometimes they try to fit square pegs into a round hole you know they try to make a scrambling quarterback a pocket passer does that mean that maybe if they're scrambling too much that their careers might end a little bit quicker it probably does but what's going to help you win games right away you know or do you think Tom Brady would have worked in a in a Lamar Jackson style offense? No, let's not be ridiculous. You know or what I mean? Would Lamar Jackson have worked in a in a Belichick style? Right. Maybe, but maybe not. Why are we crediting Andy Reid so much in the past couple years? Because of it, a lot of it's Mahomes, but a lot of it is also his system. Yeah. And he's tweaked his system enough that he's not making like bad timeout choices and coming up short. That's that's gone. Because his system has worked, and Mahomes is part of that system. I mean, Reed is, I guess, part of Mahomes' system too. I suppose you could you could look at it around that way. Right, too. It, it's connected at at the point. You obviously you still need a talented quarterback, right? You still need somebody to run that system, and you need it to run effectively. But I feel like so many just so many people out there use system quarterback as a negative. When really, to me, the the ones that win multiple championships. Or win a lot. Those good quarterbacks are also system quarterbacks. Tom Brady played within a system that was designed for him, and he excelled at it. Right, because the West what, Coast offense. Yes, yeah, because what was what's the knock on Brady all the yeah. time was blitzing up the middle. Guy can't run. Guy still won seven freaking Super Bowl championships mm-hmm. because of the system he played in. the The mind boggling. How in the hell does Travis Kelsey get? 50 catches in an AFC championship game. <laughs> it's like just double th- the system. It gets him open. It works. Mm-hmm. And I just, the more I was thinking about this, because a lot of it's on Brock, you know, everybody's targeting Brock Purdy because it's an easy target, right? If he's a first-round pick, second-round pick, maybe people aren't talking about it, but because he was the very last pick in the draft, he's not supposed to have this success. Right. And is he successful if he's playing with... Um, throw in the Giants. I don't, you know, team like that. Probably not. But you know what? That's a credit to Kyle Shanahan and that group to go th- go out there and say, okay, this is what he does well. We're going to utilize his talents, the talents that he does well, to help us out. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. So I, I feel like every good quarterback is also a system quarterback because they, they play within that system to win. To win games. Well, yeah, you have your outliers that, you know, are athletic freaks, and they could probably win you a bunch of games. Aaron Rodgers is an athletic, athletic, very talented quarterback throughout his career. But 
I kind of wonder if, let's say, he would have played within the system a little bit or played within a fully Matt LaFleur system that we saw this year. Do they win one of those NFC Championship games? Hmm. I don't I mean. Instead yeah. of throwing a ball down the field in a divisional game, too, to one guy when everybody else was open? <laughs> right. Exactly. If, if you have, if everyone is on the same page, it's a lot easier. It's a, it's a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, okay, so the knock on a system quarterback, too, is that, well, he wouldn't be good if he wasn't in that system. So by by definition, you're saying that he's good right now. He's winning. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to say that's a bad thing? Right. What? Oh, that reality is what it is. They're, they're winning. Um, whether they they've mic- they matched the system as is. And there's um, probably, there's I would say there's certain quarterbacks that could probably play in a couple different systems, right? Well, okay. There probably is. There are probably a ton of New England Patriots who could, we could cite that are system players because of how they fit into the Belichick system. They also won Super Bowls. They performed well when they needed to. They, they had something about them as a player that allowed them to succeed when necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and it happened to be under the Bill Belichick system. Mm-hmm. There are a fair number of Kansas City Chiefs right now who are succeeding because some of them are, are excellent. Some of them are so-so, maybe in, in a broad sense, but they've got a certain thing about them that is allowing them to be successful, and they could well be a champion Again, in some cases, and maybe for a third time in some cases, because they have something that is an asset to the Andy Reid system. Mm -hmm. Guess who's not doing all that well? Kadarius Tony. Guess who's not playing that well? I know there's injury and all that, but who? Well, is it an injury? (laughs) I know, but that—that's the thing. Like, if if you can match into that, and maybe it takes a while to learn it, as we saw with the Chiefs this year, took a while, but they figured it out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily matter if you are the absolute. I mean, to to quote, uh, who who was it? Um, Dream team about the Eagles. Oh, Vince Young. Yes. Yeah. There's a reason why the Dream teams oftentimes don't work. You know, the the quarterback that might be a really good example in this is Jared Goff. He was in a system with with the Rams that just wasn't working. Um, if you want to break down of that, it's that great podcast play callers that dropped in the summer. And they detailed, uh, I don't know if it was Sean McVay or a couple other coaches, detailed why he just wasn't working in the Sean McVay offense and why McVay was getting frustrated with him. He goes to the Lions and everybody just assumes, okay, it's just, you know, maybe a year, Lions are going to draft a quarterback. Dude is a really good quarterback right now because of the system Ben Johnson's put in there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Call it a system quarterback, if you will. I got a quarterback that's going to play within the system and he's going to lead me to a bunch of wins. I'm A-OK with that. Yeah. I, you know, it's... Good players can only perform at a high level if they're given that opportunity, if they're given put in a position to succeed. To use my team as an example, notice how Kirk Cousins started to get more efficient once the, the, the system finally started to work around. I mean, he was putting up great stats previously. Eh, the team was so-so. When everything started to click and it was within the system with Kevin O'Connell, hey, Th- th- there was some potential, not necessarily Super Bowl potential, but you saw, we, we all saw it happening there. If you can find the right match with any team, then you're you're going to be in a great position. So, yeah, it's just, system, it's, system is probably always going to be a knock, and it shouldn't be. I agree. No, and that's where, 
you know, we're we're knocking like Aaron Rodgers. We just reread that that athletic article, the quote there where Nathaniel Hackett says whatever Aaron wants to do. That's the offensive coordinator saying that. And then when he does make a call, apparently he's changing it. He's not playing within the system. And how many times have we seen that in Green Bay? And you kind of wonder was that the detriment to the offense? Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, yeah. Yes. Could Aaron Rodgers be a whole lot better if he was maybe like Tom Brady and played within a system? Wow. I Yeah, th- this gets back to the notion of of chemistry and fit. Mm-hmm. And and what we what we see. System is in part chemistry, system is finding the right personnel, getting everyone to match in just right. I mean, if you, if you want to go over to other sports, who are the system players for the Badger men's basketball team right now? The system's working really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you could maybe make a knock on Tyler Wall. Is he a system? Well, but it, it's working. And all these guys are buying in. Josh Gosser these... was a great system player when yeah. they won you know, Final Fours and go to the National Championships. Yeah, but, but they fit what Greg Gard was trying to do offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, there are some sports where maybe one guy can dominate. Basketball is probably that, but yes. that's, be- that's because of the nature of the sport. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen in football. Right. And I know I was just referencing college basketball, but probably more so at the college level than at the pro level. Pro, I think you can have one guy, you can have a Giannis take over, or like a LeBron with the Cavaliers, two ex- instances where he was clearly the best guy, and get them to the NBA Finals and maybe even mm-hmm. win an NBA Finals. And I think, you know, too, just because if quarterback is labeled as a system quarterback, it doesn't mean that they're not talented. You need you still need talent to to run that system to perfection or to a high level. Is Nate Peterman going to step into that role? Right. I mean, to use the, the offsided. But no, right. The exactly. Yeah, I mean, we see it. How many times have we seen, you know, you could tell the talent gap between a, a, a starting quarterback and a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those times, too, it's uh, – well, again, to use the Jets as an example, they were catering to everything that Rodgers wanted to do. He goes out, and you got no system because you were letting the quarterback do whatever he wanted. Now you got a backup in there. It's like, oh, crap. Now what do we do? Yeah. I, again, look at look at the team to the, to the West. Mm-hmm. All those backups come in, and turnovers here and fumbles, and all this stuff is going wrong. Well, they're, they're not fitting the system. Maybe they could be successful somewhere else. Maybe. But is maybe one of the not. best examples we've seen is actually that Philadelphia team that won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz was going to be MVP that year. He gets hurt, Nick Foles comes in, they still win a Super Bowl. They beat your Vikings in a championship yep. game. Yep. They they had a really good system about that team. A really good yeah. That's probably one of the better examples. Kurt Warner and the Rams. Uh huh. Greatest show on turf. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Hmm. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I feel like they, uh, those system quarterbacks get they get knocked. I'm glad Jordan loves a system quarterback right now because that offense was fun this year <laughs> to watch. Funny thing is, we're talking about this, and this is that that era of the greatest show in turf, and that's right around the era of the definitive. I think he may not be actually the best example, but what's the go-to game manager quarterback that won a Super Bowl? That won a Super Bowl, yeah. uh, Trent Dilfer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He he is on the cover of the book of of all time game managers. Mm-hmm. Which again, maybe maybe not the best example, 
But he's the, he's the go-to. I think that was the first time when we really talked about it. Oh, can you imagine all the game manager quarterbacks we would have talked about if game manager was a thing in, like, the 80s or the 70s? Right. Earl Morrill. Something like that. Jeff Hosteller. <laughs> Gosh. The Hawks. Don, Don Strzok. Um, but, yeah, like, hey, it worked, though. The Ravens had a thing. Mm-hmm. They had a system. I know a lot of it was defense, but a lot of it was. And a really good running game. Yeah. But they knew what they were doing. They yeah. they had it all put together, and they smoked the Giants and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, and we will continue our consulting series, taking a look at the corners for the Packers after these quick words. It's that time of year where we may be stuck indoors for a bit, so you need to make sure your pantries, fridge, and freezers are fully stocked. How do you do that while also saving some money? Easy. Just shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Whether it's stocking the pantry with soups or dried goods, or loading up the deep freezer with pizzas and frozen foods, Hy-Vee has the best selection to help keep you stocked during the winter months. And with their Hy-Vee perks, you'll save money at the register and the gas pump. Stock up on your favorite grocery items and save money with Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. Consulting series continues as we take a look at the corners now for the for the green and gold. Now I know there was a lot of talk about Jair potentially getting moved, traded you know, after his suspension and such. I'd I'd be more shocked if they actually did that than 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 keeping him. I don't think he's going anywhere. Don't think he's going anywhere. So. Jair will be back. Let's. I'm. I'm operating under that assumption, and I'm fairly confident in saying that. Now, after that, what 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 does the depth chart look like? Green Bay this year had to play Carrington Valentine, a seventh round rookie, a lot. Corey Valentine was in there, practice squad player, being elevated, thrusted into a starting role. And I thought he played solid in a lot of parts. Thought he played solid. Eric Stokes, again, hampered by injuries all season long. Suffered that gruesome leg injury in Detroit last year. Took a long time to get back from it. And then when he did get back from it, just couldn't stay healthy. Hamstring and all the other issues going on with with Eric Stokes. When you look at after after Stokes' rookie season in 2021, he played 16 games. Since then, he's played 9 in 2022 three in 2023 they're hoping that they could figure out his hamstring issue over there because i mean he started off his rookie year you know kind of being thrusted into more playing time because of injuries and i thought he played well thought he played well so hopefully he can start training camp in preseason healthy and stay healthy because they need him he's a good player when he's on He's a good player when he's on. I just felt like he was, you know, in his limited playing time this year, just felt like it, just a tick slow. And it could easily have been that, you know, by the time he was out on the field and that he was playing these games, 
Well, he's still trying to catch up to the speed of the game. But Carrington Valentine was a dude that um, shown or shined in preseason training camp. He has a swagger about himself, very similar to, to Jair, which I think if you're a corner, you kind of almost have to have that. It might be annoying, especially to some fans and such, but I think you, you, you kind of have to have that mindset mentality playing corner in the NFL as long as you continue to back it up. And I thought Carrington Valentine played solid. For, for a seventh-round rookie, I thought he played solid in his rookie year. Being asked to play a lot of snaps, there was no, you know, kind of slowly bringing him along. You had to throw him out on that field, and he had to long, uh, log a ton of snaps. And I'm excited to see what he can do in, in the future, for, for the foreseeable future for, for the pack. I think they found somebody there in that seventh round. And then you got Keyshawn Nixon, who's going to be a free agent. This past year signed a one-year, $4 million deal, but now you got another All-Pro attached to his name. Could another team swoop in and say, all right, we saw you now play some slot corner, so some nickel corner. You're another All-Pro returner. Will they give him a little bit more money? How much of a priority is it for, for Green Bay to bring back Keyshawn Nixon? I think it's fairly high. I think it's fairly high. I think you try to bring back Keyshawn Nixon. And I think you roll with your top four corners being Jair, Carrington, Stokes, and Keyshawn. And I know some mock drafts out there have the Packers addressing corner fairly early in the draft. And this is this is a weird draft right now for, for me, and I know it's last day of January. I'm not really don't want to get into a lot of draft talk right now because there's still got games going on, senior bowl, combine and all that. But it's like, okay, do you should Green Bay draft a corner with their first pick, even though they've got two first-round picks over there and Carrington logged a lot of snaps? I don't think corner should be first pick. But you're seeing some think it should. And I wouldn't mind a round three, round four maybe pick over there to provide a little bit more depth at that position to kind of help out with injuries again because I think you do have to protect yourself. At that spot, you have to protect yourself to have some more depth at that spot. We don't know how Eric Stokes, if he can stay healthy, if he can stay on the field. Heck, Jair's been even dealing with some injuries out there too. So I wouldn't be opposed if it was like a third-round pick, day two, early day three pick, to provide more depth at that corner position. Because I think now in the league, you look across this league, you need four really sol- three, four really solid corners because of nickel packages, throwing in dime packages out there too. You, you need that depth. You really need that depth. So if Green Bay, I, I do think corners are needed in a draft. I don't think it's round one at this point in time, but it's definitely something they have to look at. You know, maybe late day two, early day three type of picks over there. And even with the kicking game, a lot of, you know, kickers now just throwing that thing in or kicking that thing in the back of the end zone, not allowing returns. And, you know, Nixon finally, you know, had that really big return in, in the playoff game and such, still made an all pro, uh, all pro this year. I thought his play in the secondary was solid. You know, he had his moments, but. Thought he was an aggressive tackler. 
They gave him a shot. They gave him an opportunity this year. And I thought he did fairly well. So I wouldn't mind bringing him back, again, to provide that depth at that corner position. But you're probably really looking at it, too, from from a return standpoint. Now, I don't know if that would mean... You know, the interesting thing here is with, with punt returns, they still put Jaden Reed back there, you know, because Green Bay's done this before with their, their younger receivers. They'll throw them out there as a kick returner. Randall Cobb was one. They even had Jordy Nelson, I remember, as kick returner. But once they kind of develop into a go-to receiver, they take him off that. They don't want him to get hurt. Do they? Would they do that with Jaden Reed after his first year and put Keyshawn Nixon back as, as a punt returner? So I think Green Bay's got some interesting depth or an interesting group right now at corner but the wild card in all this is that this is also a group headlined by Jair and Eric Stokes who have gone through some injuries the last couple years can you count on this group to stay healthy to be available that's the main thing is to be available you know you trade Rasul Douglas halfway through the season who honestly might have been a cap casualty this offseason, so you get uh, a third-round pick in return for him. But I think you've got to at least look at a corner round three, round four, to, to provide a little bit more depth back there. Build that depth six deep. Six corners. Six corners that you'd be comfortable throwing out there. With how the NFL is played these days, passing leagues, you're going to have three, four corners majority of the time on the field anyways. Got to build that depth behind your top, top three, top four guys. So if they bring back Nixon, I think your top four immediately is Jair, Stokes, Carrington, Nixon. Maybe a battle for those final two spots. Could be a rookie, could be somewhere else. Could Corey Ballantine make another run at it? There's some options there. And I think, too, whoever that defensive coordinator is going to be, what's what's the, been the big bugaboo that a lot of Packer fans have had with their corners? You want them to play closer to the line. You want them to play a little bump and run. You want them to be aggressive at the line of scrimmage. Will that new defensive coordinator coming in ask his corners to do that, to be physical, to play more man? What type of defense? Because if it's a man man versus man, man coverage style of defense that this new coordinator is going to come in, yeah, then you're probably looking at corners like, okay, do I have the corners that can play that? Do I have the makeup speed with these guys to play that? Stokes has speed. Is he going to be able to get to that speed after his hamstring issues? Jair has speed. What else? What about the other guys? So a lot is going to depend on, too, the style of defense that this new coordinator is going to come in. Is he going to play more aggressive at the line of scrimmage with his corners? Is it still going to be a zone? It's going to be a mixture. The style of corner is going to depend on who that coordinator is coming in or who that coordinator is going to be coming in and what they want to play. Which I think from a lot of you, you want your corners up closer to those receivers being a little bit more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. And if that's the case... You're going to need a little bit quicker of a corner, too, for that makeup speed. You don't want a guy who runs a 4-8-40 playing press coverage on Tyreek Hill, and, and Hill just burns by him. 
That was a little dramatic there, but you get the idea. That makeup speed is going to be a big factor. All right, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-V and Toys and Ford. Hey, if you got a few seconds, don't forget to give us a five star rating and a positive review so others can find the podcast. That's through uh, whatever podcasting platform you're listening on, like Spotify or Apple. And don't forget, we are on YouTube now as well. Till next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.